easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Next, we would like to invite Mr. Antoine Wilson to this special meeting. Welcome. You, of course, are welcome to take off your mask if you would like to, um, if the audience is all okay with that. Perfect. For those of you watching this via live stream, we will give Mr. Wilson 15 minutes to introduce himself, followed by prepared questions from the board. And once again, the feedback form is on the LPS website. So for those of you that are watching, please remember to fill that out. Mr. Wilson, you may begin and talk about yourself for about 15 minutes, and then we'll go right into our board questions. Good evening. I want to uh, thank the board for the opportunity to engage with you, um, as well as the uh, broader community who's tuning in to here tonight. My name is Antoine Wilson, and by way of introducing myself, I think uh, it would be appropriate for me to uh, do a few things. One is uh, try to uh, provide a background as to who I am and who Antoine Wilson um, has, uh, what has influenced Antoine Wilson to be who he is, or so who I am. Um, also, um, why um, I am interested in leading uh, as superintendent in LPS, and then also why I think you would uh, benefit and, and the district would benefit from that leadership. So why should it matter to you in terms of me being leadership? So first and foremost, as was shared, my name is Antoine Wilson, and I am um, the son of Linda Wilson, who uh, was a teenage mother when she had me 18 years old, single parent. Uh, I am the oldest of three children. I was born in Wichita, Kansas. A mother has been on her own since she was 12 years old. She lost her parents when she was 12. Her siblings got split up across the country. They moved to places like uh, Louisiana and Texas and uh, California, um, several other places, and Nebraska. My mother was raised uh, after 12 years old from by her older sister, who's 13 years her senior. Um, she was raised uh, taking care of her nieces and nephews, the oldest of which she's three years older than. And she had me when she was 18 years old. Um, if you want to understand Antoine Wilson, you need to understand that I was born to the mean aunt. And what that essentially means is, in spite of all the things that were going on in my life, my mother made it 100% clear that I was expected to be educated, I was expected to go to college, and I would graduate um, from college. And I remember that quite clearly because I, I don't know, on the first day of uh, uh, kindergarten, Sunnyside Elementary School, um, I asked my mother when school's over. I don't think I was excited about going to school. And she said, when you graduate college. And I remember that very distinctly. I'm a student who uh, went to a different uh, elementary school every year. 
I was in school. So Sunnyside Elementary, White Elementary, Colvin Elementary, Booth Elementary, Hartley Elementary, Clinton Elementary, Elliott Elementary. I'm a student and a uh, young person who grew up and lived in a different household, um, excuse me, a different house every year I was in school. So as I matriculated on to Leffler Junior High School and Lincoln High School, um, I lived in a different house every year. So I'm that student who people talk about in terms of being high mobility. I'm, that, the, I'm the, uh, student who, um, rather than when I was attending Leffler, who got bused in from the Malone area, who got bused in from uh, the, um, the Lincoln High area to Leffler Junior High. I'm the student who uh, had a hard time being bused in and being dropped off in the back of the school and being paraded through the school and uh, feeling like it was the poor kid who decided that rather than be exposed to that, I would get up early in the morning and I would walk to school. And uh, so I began to set my calendar to get up early so that I did not have to walk through the spaces uh, to be what I felt like marginalized and, and pointed out in terms of my family's condition. I'm the student who began to make unhealthy decisions about uh, what we should eat at school or not eating in school so I could avoid the lunch line so I did not have to use the uh, lunch ticket, that green ticket that they used to give the students that on the front end uh, had an A on it if you received free and reduced lunch or a zero on it if you did not, um, where you, I had to suffer the indignities of getting a lunch that was not large enough for me to eat and uh, not being able to get seconds because I had an A on that letter. So rather than ex be exposed to that, I chose not to eat lunch. I'm the student who wanted to get to school early so that I could do homework because there were not places available for me to do homework at home. So I was a student who got to school early, um, participated in the open gyms that were available at Leffler, um, the library sessions that were available at uh, uh, Lincoln High School, and hung out in the media center after school so that I could get my homework done. I'm the student who was responsible for taking care of his older brothers and assuming younger brothers and sisters and making sure they got their homework done who learned to cook and clean and sew and do all of those things at home uh, because um, my mother needed me to be an extension of herself while she worked and uh, took care of us um, and did the things so that we were safe i am a student who benefited from moving to Lincoln, from Wichita, Kansas, uh, after growing up in an extended family where um, I knew no males who graduated from high school. So my mother is explaining to me that you would go to college, and I didn't really know what college was. I knew it was more school. Um, but by being fortunate enough to graduate um, from, excuse me, to be born into the family with the mean aunt, my mother made it 100% clear that I would get additional homework and I'm the student who hated to hear the words from my teacher, I've spoken to your mother, and I, because I knew that meant extra books home, I knew that meant um, extra workbooks and math problems and so on and so forth. I'm the student who showed up to school who was um, insecure, who made a lot of personal friendships with students across a number of different groups but felt uncomfortable in his skin as tall as I am and as big as I am to be in large groups and tried to shrink as much as possible. But I'm also the student that I had some amazing teachers pour a lot of time and interest and support in and begin to build that confidence while I was at Lincoln uh, in Lincoln Public Schools. So next thing I know I'm in clubs and I'm in sports. Um, I'm the student who benefited from being at the Shield and um, running into a, a community member, Frank Sheridan, who saw that I was um, 
someone who was not participating in any engagement invited me to learn the game of basketball and taught me layups and how to shoot layups and the game and all of that and began to build confidence in me. I'm the person, the, the student who continued to benefit from programs at the Malone Center and the support of individuals like uh, Jay Kirkland who uh, coached uh, basketball and encouraged me and uh, didn't make me feel bad because I didn't have a lot of money. I'm the student who benefited from amazing teachers like Thomas Christie, counselors like Sue Kane, um, and other individuals who began to build me with confidence. I'm the student who's fortunate enough to meet his best friends here in Lincoln in fourth grade and seventh grade who've gone on to be lifelong friends for me and brothers. I'm the person who was fortunate enough to go to Nebraska Western University and uh, get an amazing education and learn that a lot of the uh, things that uh, um, I had hoped would be the case when my mother talked about going to college could manifest uh, in terms of getting uh, an education in Nebraska Wesleyan and was fortunate enough to be my wife there. Um, I am a parent, I am a, uh, I am a husband, and I am a, a son. And I'm very proud of being someone who graduated from Lincoln High School, I'm a Lincoln High Link, and uh, I'm a very proud graduate of Lincoln Public Schools. Uh, I, uh, upon graduating, I had an opportunity to be a teacher, so you should know I'm an educator. And uh, when people ask me what do I do, no matter what the title is, I always am clear to explain that I'm an educator. And if they dig deeper beyond that, I'm happy to share with my, what my role is in education. I am someone who believes in young people, and so I'm a values-based uh, leader. Uh, my values, students first, excellence, equity, uh, teamwork, integrity, and joy. I like to make sure that uh, the work that we do is uh, we're centering all of those values. Uh, at least I'm trying to center all of those values. I'm someone who is an authentic leader who tries to make sure that the things that we say are our commitments that show in our actions. But at the same time, I try very hard to be a servant leader, recognizing that I'm only successful as the people that I'm fortunate enough to lead and work with. And so I have to pour my interest in helping them succeed. And if they succeed, then our students succeed um, as well. Why I want to be the superintendent in Lincoln Public Schools is because it's a, a, a community that's deeply personal to me. I'm back in Lincoln because I wanted my children to graduate from Lincoln Public Schools. And I had an opportunity, uh, and they've been in a number of different places, and you've seen my resume. I've been in a number of different places, but when I was in a position to make a decision as to where I wanted my children to graduate uh, and go to school, um, I had a conversation with my wife, and, and uh, we were talking about other opportunities and said, even though it will take great sacrifice and mean a change in how we live and so on and so forth, they will graduate from Lincoln Public Schools so that they can have access to some of the same opportunities I had. Now, I share, started out sharing who I am and the, some of the challenges, but because I graduated uh, and attended Lincoln Public Schools, I was able to overcome many of those challenges and had an opportunity to go on and receive an education and lead in a number of areas um, in, uh, in, as, a, as a teacher, as a principal, as an assistant principal, as an assistant superintendent, superintendent and chancellor, and uh, produce, uh, in, in, produce outcomes with the support of many amazing educators, uh, many amazing colleagues, students, uh, teachers, staff, uh, community members that led to increased outcomes for students in terms of graduation rates, reducing suspensions, more students getting access to college and career programs, um, and a number of different uh, other uh, outcomes that I'm extremely uh, proud about. I have been fortunate enough to be a national leader and I in, in the number of spaces that are important to LPS. I want to lead because LPS says that all means all. 
and I have success in making sure that um, as a district, uh, we lead in a way that prioritizes the interests of all kids by focusing on the needs of each and every, every, each and every individual student. I want to be the leader of LPS because I personally believe that you're not going to find anyone who cares about it more than me. I tell people all the time, you can certainly find people who maybe care about it as much, but not more, because a lot of the success that I have, I attribute to the fact that I've grown and graduated uh, from Lincoln Public Schools. And um, those people who know me know that that's not just something I'm just saying because I'm in front of you now. I was invited back numerous times to speak in a number of different places, and pe I, people would uh, um, ask me, um, what are some of the things that I appreciate? And I would always share with people that, uh, people would always comment as to how I, why is it I'm able to stay even killed or why is it that I'm not uh, uh, subject to some of these huge swings in, in emotion, so we're making decisions and I'd always give credit to the fact that I grew up in Lincoln. I understand I'm not always going to get my way. I understand that there are people who come from diverse perspectives, but inherently I understand that most people are good. And if we can begin to try to understand where they're coming from and, and seek common ground, we can make a tremendous difference. Why is it that you should uh, care in terms of me being a superintendent? What I can tell you is this, that I will stand on the line in support of what's good for Lincoln Public Schools. I appreciate and value the work that LPS has already, been, uh, already done, the commitment on, uh, that the community shows in terms of its schools, the leadership that has existed here from uh, Dr. Joel throughout the team. I think the strength of the city uh, in this school district are its people. And I will invest in supporting those individuals, those people, and making sure they understand that um, our collective success is about, um, excuse me, our success as a district is about our collective success in terms of individuals who are working on behalf of students. Look, I lead from a great position of gratitude, recognizing that I am fortunate whenever I'm in a position to work on behalf of, uh, of parents and students, whenever I'm in a position to work and partner with amazing educators on, um, to make lives uh, better for students. And as a superintendent uh, here in uh, Lincoln, it will not be my goal to, to uh, just be uh, the best in the, in the state or lead the state or uh, in a number of areas. I think that is tremendous, by the way. I think that's something that we want to build on. But what we want to do and what we need to do is make sure also that we are a national leader. We're a national leader in helping ensure that students graduate. We're a national leader in preparing students for post-secondary education success. We're a national leader in uh, uh, elevating teacher, uh, teacher leadership, teacher professional development, principal leadership. We're a national leader in terms of uh, engaging parents, community uh, members. And we are a space uh, where we uh, are a national leader when we say all means all, uh, whether you're a um, um, an educator or a parent interested in how to better help students who are gifted um, get the best education possible and you're trying to figure out what national best practices look like in uh, a, a district that does that well or whether you are a school district a school district trying to figure out how to provide better um, support for uh, English learners or how do you create community spaces where all students feel included irrespective of their cultural background um, that they think of Lincoln Public Schools as a place where they want to come and learn from. If we are in a place where we're doing that, what that means is we're graduating students at a high level. Those students are thriving while they're in school with us, and they're going on and serving the community, and they're excited about being in Lincoln for a long period of time and sending their children to the same schools that help nurture them. Um, and so with that, I will uh, pause and uh, say again, I'm excited to be here to engage 
with you. Happy to spend more time answering your questions. And um, again, um, want to uh, make sure that as we get through this process, uh, you have a strong sense, those of you here and those of you who are watching, um, as to who I am and feel comfortable that um, I would provide the type of leadership that uh, will make uh, uh, Lincoln Public Schools uh, and as well as the broader community proud of uh, the work uh, that you've done in terms of selecting the superintendent, but more importantly, the collective work that the community does and has done, does in terms of centering its students as a priority ongoing as uh, uh, we do the work that needs to be done. Thank you, Mr. Wilson. And we will begin our questions. Ms. Danik, would you start? Thank you. Well, you hit on this a little bit, but I'm going to make you go a little bit further. All means all has always been a mantra here. It's every child, every single day. So how would you continue and improve on the work with our students, our staff, and our community? Thank you. So um, as I shared during some of the early engagements that I had, um, my first uh, slogan as a principal at Pleasant Valley Middle School was success for all, all means all. And uh, so I'm very familiar with, the, um, with that type of slogan. I think it's extremely important to think about when we talk about all means all, what is it that we want to be true for our students? So you have to set a compelling vision. So I want to, you know, name it. I believe that we have to make sure that every student graduates uh, prepared to succeed in their college and career pursuits, that they go to school where they feel loved, challenged, and prepared to succeed in school and thrive in life. And I lead with that on my resume. I lead with that because that's what schools need to do. So if we're going to prepare students to, be, uh, to graduate college and career ready, then we have to make sure that we have schools that represent the interests, that reflect the culture and background of all the students that are represented throughout the broader community. And so we won't be afraid and, uh, to uh, talk about where we're uh, falling short. So if it's a matter of how do we better serve our students who have IEPs, or how do we make sure that um, our African-American graduation rate reflects the, um, uh, the uh, potential that we believe our students uh, have to graduate at high levels, if we're talking about how do we ensure that our students who um, have, um, have uh, um, uh, language uh, acquisition needs, that they are being served the way they need to be served, how do we make sure that our LGBTQ uh, IA plus students feel supported and included in our district, then we're going to have those conversations. And, uh, you know, I understand that we live in a time where uh, people uh, sometimes want us to choose between one group or another. I'm going to lead in, in a way that says no. All means all, meaning that as we have these conversations, when we notice that there is a, uh, a group of students, whether it be at one school or one, uh, uh, in one part of town or a different school in a different part of town, that they are lagging behind in the supports that they deserve, we're going to have conversations about what we're going to do about it. Uh, we're not going to uh, fall back only on the things that we've always done. Um, we are going to be willing to ask questions about what is it we need to let go so that we can implement the types of programs that are going to help students be successful. And then I'll close on this. Um, if we want to improve uh, equity and uh, we want to improve outcomes for all students, we have to be willing to uplift uh, a few things in everything we do. That's excellence and equity. 
We need to be able to say, how is it that we ensure that we're prioritizing that every student is being exposed to the best that we have to offer, whether it be schools, whether it be teachers, whether it be uh, curriculum, whether it be access to post-secondary programs, whether it be access to extracurricular activities. Um, we have to say, what are we doing to ensure they are being exposed to the best we have to offer? And then on the equity side, how do we make sure that we are supporting students to reach those high expectations that we have, those high standards, excuse me, that we have um, with the support that they need to get there, which means we have to be willing to differentiate those supports. Some students are going to need more to get there. And uh, just as I needed to be in school, needed the school to be open a little bit later than maybe some other students in order to help me feel connected to the school, we got to be willing to make sure that we're doing those types of things so that students who need that extra support receive it. And uh, I won't, I, I just won't shy away from, from prioritizing that and encouraging us to um, make sure that we are leaving no rock unturned to ensure that every student is feeling that and parents are feeling that. Thank you again for the question. Thank you for the answer. Please describe your most significant accomplishment as an educational leader. So that's, a, <laughs> that's an interesting question. Well, thank you for it uh, in terms of most significant. Um, look, I'm going to say I don't have a one most significant thing. What I'll say is this. Uh, if you ask me what I'm uh, proud of, I'm proud of the fact that I've been able to go into some places and more students have graduated high school than uh, the, the trajectory was on before I got into those spaces. I'm proud of the fact that um, more of those students who graduated high school than the trajectory, uh, the, 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 the trajectory that they were on um, were able to go on to post-secondary opportunities. But more importantly than any of that, I'm proud that many of the places that I've worked with, I've gone into, I've been able to work with some amazing educators who have felt supported and positioned to do their job to the best of their ability so the more students could, could get the services that they deserve. So it's real hard in that one question to talk about one thing, um, but uh, it would be those things at the macro level that I feel really good about. And those students who experienced those improvements, um, those were students who uh, many times uh, um, well, it was a, just a diverse group of students. They reflected the broader student population. So whether you're talking about prioritizing the needs of special education students or foster youth, whether you're talking about gifted and talented, um, we saw representation uh, of uh, students improve in all those areas I mentioned across those groups. Wasn't perfect. I was always unsatisfied, to be 100% honest with you. But uh, when I step back and look at the bigger uh, picture, I'm also uh, uh, appreciative of the fact that it had an opportunity to have that type of impact in young people's lives. Thank you. Perfect. It looks like I'm up next. It is important to the board that our next superintendent be a strong and visible part of the Lincoln community. How do you stay visible and accessible to community members, students, staff, and parents? Thank you. Well, I will say I agree with the headline uh, statement, so thank you for the question. I believe that as uh, I'm glad to hear that's your expectation because that's what people will experience for me. So first and foremost, you know, look, if you're going to commit to be the, being the superintendent of a uh, school district, what that basically means is you're going to be present. Um, if you're a leader, it means you're visible. And so what people are going to experience for me is I spend time in the spaces where my leadership uh, matters, and so I've got to be in schools. 
Um, I have to be in spaces where leaders who are making decisions about our schools, where they are. I have to be in spaces where our staff can see me and hear the vision and hear the, the, the uh, statements, that, the, the, the mission statements and the strategy behind what we're doing. Um, they got to hear that firsthand from me. I'm not saying they only hear it from me, but they must get opportunities to hear it from me. They have to get an opportunity to ask me questions about why we're pursuing that or maybe um, inform, share some information with me about ways we should be thinking about it differently or maybe what's getting in the way of the execution of the, uh, of the, of the uh, mission. Um, so uh, the same is true with business and community members or uh, community-based organizations. Uh, you know, I would love to be able to say that I'll be at every, uh, be a member of every board and that type of thing. I, I, there's only so much time in, in the day. But what I can say is I do prioritize invi uh, accepting invitations to come speak uh, where I can speak. I try to be on as many boards as uh, I can when you're in these types of roles. Um, I try to make sure that if we, if I cannot be there, how do we make sure that we have representation within the, the leadership team? And so we try to divide those things, things up. Uh, we've been in situations where um, I've been, uh, where we've had board uh, members as well, and they are in those spaces. So we try to have a collective um, uh, presence in those spaces. Um, so that's important. So some other things that I've done, and I would want to make sure we're doing here, is I'm used to having a, um, community uh, 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 council, citywide council, and these are community members and community-based organizations that I meet with monthly. And uh, we set an agenda together, normally as a chair and so on and so forth. And we try to identify uh, the areas of interest and priorities. So we're talking about strategy. We're talking about execution of strategy. We're talking about outcomes and metrics. But we're also talking about ways in which um, they can support. Uh, the district strategy, but also individual schools. Do the same thing in terms of a, uh, a school leader, uh, administrative leadership council, same thing. Uh, those are rotating positions in. We want to make sure that we are exposing as many students, as many uh, leaders as possible to uh, that leadership and having access so that we're not only hearing one group of voices, but it's a regular thing. We would meet monthly um, in terms of that council. We do the same thing with students. We do the same thing with teachers. Um, and uh, then on top of that, uh, my school visits, I'm used to getting into every school. And that's been my, uh, I know that, uh, you know, that there's been a division in terms of uh, the work here. We've done that and supported that work with board members when I've been in districts that have boards. But I visit every school. And I believe that that's important uh, to, to do that. And we visit for different purposes. Some is just uh, we get into classrooms. That's always something we do. Um, we spend time with school leadership uh, teams. And by leadership teams, it's not just the, the, the principal, assistant principal. It is the extension of when there are teacher leaders that are in those spaces. I require when I visit, and I'm going there for a school visit, that there's time spent, whether it be before school or after school, uh, with uh, students as well. And those are students, that's true whether I'm in an elementary school, middle school, or high school. I want to hear from students and, and spend time with them. And then we have a series of parent uh, meetings as well, um, because I think it's important to be in those spaces. And so you have the, uh, the uh, regular interval leadership spaces, but then there's regular engagement spaces. And then we do faculty meetings where, uh, separate from the school visits, where we are coming in, and that agenda is an hour long, 
and there's about 15 minutes of something that we're sharing and 45 minutes of open session. And I try to lead that that way for most meetings where we're engaging because we can't very well have two-way dialogue if I'm taking up 45, 50 minutes of the hour and only leaving about 10 minutes for uh, engagement. So people will experience me as being very visible. Um, and then I like to go to extracurricular and uh, uh, extracurricular events and, and co-curricular events as I can. I still, I've, I've been to some here um, in, in the district. They just don't know who I am. Um, but, uh, you know, my, my daughter went to North Star and she graduated. I still went over there. Um, I've been to events at some of the, uh, certainly at Seacrest. Uh, I have no one out there. I don't have any children of my own playing football. Uh, but it's just those are certain things that I like to do because it's out in the community and I think it's worth uh, doing those things. As the superintendent, I would go to more of those types of things just so that students can see that it's important and I'm a member of the community and they can come up and talk to me and the same with family members and um, I'm interested in hearing what they have to say and engage with them as, as, an, as a fellow uh, member of the community. Perfect. Uh, next question is, uh, one of our board priorities is increasing the graduation rate at LPS. Uh, what have you done in previous districts that was successful in raising graduation rates, and where would you start at LPS to increase our graduation rate, making sure we maintain and enhance the academic rigor while improving and maintaining a high graduation rate among disaggregated groups? Absolutely. So um, first I want to just share my first job is uh, in terms of principalship. I, I took over a, a school, Montbello High School, where uh, we had a low graduation rate and um, I was there for three years and each year we outpaced the district uh, improvement in graduation rate significantly. Um, that improvement uh, that we were having there as well as uh, pairing that with some improvements we were having in terms of increasing outcomes around post-secondary readiness, so access to career and technical education programs, advanced placement programs, dual enrollment, as well as the reductions we were having in suspensions and expulsions as well as uh, uh, eliminating, um, nearly eliminating any student arrests and that, those types of things. That, that, those improvements, they asked me to come downtown and lead all the district high schools. And so um, initially uh, when I got downtown, they just gave me the high schools. We set, and I set very clear expectations um, from the standpoint of uh, we are trying to improve uh, the percentage of students who graduate. I set the North Star around trying to make sure that students have a post-secondary readiness plan and that we have a plan for post-secondary readiness for all students. I believe that that's extremely important that students, we try to help connect students with a purpose. So many of the students who are struggling to graduate, it's not necessarily a lack of interest in graduation. Sometimes it's there are other priorities that have gotten um, uh, prioritized above the uh, being in school for whatever reason. Sometimes they need to earn money uh, in, the, in, the, in the household. Sometimes they feel like they were pushed out of school. Uh, we need to connect students with a North Star at, that is uh, uh, aligned with their future interest. And we use those interests to build post-secondary plans and try to help students understand that there are many pathways to their success, whether it be pursuing a four-year uh, college or university, whether it be a two-year uh, associate degree, whether it be a one-year certificated program, whether they want to pursue employment and then later uh, training and uh, education uh, provided through opportunities through their employer or through military service. We try to help students understand what the options are and then we connect them uh, uh, our uh, supports to help students uh, with that. So 
um, once I got downtown in, in Denver, what I uh, was able to do was help people see that we were do, doing a terrible job helping students who um, were not successful in their high school the first time through. We were trying to use a one-size-fits-all model. Now, if you're familiar with the data, I think I, I know I shared it with you. When I got downtown, Lincoln, uh, excuse me, in Denver, the graduation rate was in the 40s. And we significantly improved, increased the graduation rate, but we didn't stop there. We also significantly increased access to advanced placement courses, but we didn't stop there. We significantly increased achievement in those courses, but we didn't stop there. We significantly increased uh, student uh, engagement and access to uh, dual enrollment concurrent enrollment courses and we didn't do that in terms of uh, uh, doubling it we tripled the access uh, into those programs we did the same thing for career and technical education suspension rates declined expulsion rates declined I didn't share information with you but when I got to Denver the attendance rate in the high schools was 81 82 percent when I left it was 91 percent so we uh, scaled up um, extracurricular activities as well as co-curricular activities so things speech debate music drama while we were also trying to uh, expose students to more athletics and sports and so on and so forth we did that in the middle of the last recession when most school districts were um, divesting from those programs we were able to convince the school district as well as uh, community partners to invest in those programs um, we did have to cut loose of some initiatives that had previously been part of strategic plan that didn't align with our goal, a stated goal of increasing graduation rates. And the byproduct of those efforts is we were able to get more students to come into school. You have to go out in spaces where students who are not coming into school, uh, disconnected youth are, and try to understand why. And then you got to try to connect them to uh, real opportunities that they see as relevant to try to get them back into school. Um, when we went to Oakland, a lot of the same strategies uh, that we began to implement, uh, partnering with a lot of community-based organizations in Oakland, that was a huge effort for us. And uh, we began to see increased graduation rates uh, there as well. But what we also saw in Oakland that was, was really important was a lot of students who had dropped out coming back to school. So looking at our five-year and six-year graduation rates, um, that's where we started to see a lot of improvement because we had a lot of overage undercredited students that we need to get back engaged in school. So I have a lot of uh, experience doing that. Now, uh, and I've shared this with some people I uh, engaged with earlier, LPS is in a space where you move from a lower graduation rate in the 70s to a higher graduation rate when you're up in the upper 80s. We now have to look at some things that, um, uh, it's not low-hanging fruit, these are harder things, but some of them are structural things that we need to look at and we need to ask tough questions about. So, for instance, there's research out there around proper bell schedules and, and putting students in a position where we're not, um, they're not making decisions that, well, we don't have structural, uh, uh, we don't have structural issues within our bell schedules that are not conducive to maintaining high attendance. You say, well, Antoine, what is one of those things? Well, when we have split lunches where students start school, start in a classroom in one, uh, let's say it's fifth period, and then they have lunch in the middle of the period, and then they go away for lunch, and then we complain about students who don't come back, and we act, pretend that that's not student nature, that some students and some adult nature, same way, would have issue with um, coming back. That's a structural thing. And we removed those, a lot of those things in, in Denver, and we said we're not going to have put students in positions to uh, face that peer pressure. We're going to 
they're going to have lunch before before the period or after period after the period. We're going to uh, have different types of structures for what our juniors and seniors can do versus what our freshmen and sophomores can do. And we're going to follow what the data says. These weren't mandated on high. We just said we are going to uh, prioritize increasing graduation rates and the things that are getting in the way. Um, you're going to have to explain to me why this is the right thing for you to do. So uh, I'll give you an example. Denver East, they were able to keep a lot of what they were uh, doing structurally, even though they had some of the similar things we did, but they just ended the uh, split lunches. Other schools, they went to modified uh, block schedules or four by four blocks, or they put a uh, homeroom uh, in their schedule uh, so that they could um, create a reason for students to be in school and so on and so forth. My point is, we didn't say there's one way to do it, but we did say that we can't continue to put students in a position where we have 30 students uh, in cl that class before lunch and we have 16, 17 students in that class after lunch and we would pretend that teachers are going to be able to um, hold the type of classroom session that they need to have when they're unsure as to who they're going to have after the lunch period. Those are, that's low-hanging fruit. Last thing on that. Um, we know that students who um, struggle in school, they primarily fall into, in terms of graduation rates and get off track, two groups in terms of your highest uh, uh, students who um, you see the highest issues with. The first group are first-year students in a high school. The second group, they actually are students who have been in the high school for four years and they're seniors, but they are a few credits short of graduating on time. So you have to target specific strategies in order to improve uh, support for uh, those students in those specific situations. For the first group, you have to make sure that high school feels very personalized, that students are getting a lot of support and you, they get a, a situation in the school situation where they, it's very similar to middle school uh, and from some, from some, in some respects. They're not all over the school in these big schools um, getting lost and falling through the cracks and missing school with no one noticing until they've dug themselves such a hole that uh, it's too late to help. So you have to ask, to ask schools to think about, well, how do we create structures so that every first year student feels like there's real pressure on them. And I don't mean bad pressure like, hey, you need to do well, but pressure on them around, how is it that all these people know what I'm doing and when I miss school and when I miss class and they're here in responsive trying to make sure I get tutoring or I'm getting access to counseling, uh, that type of thing. They don't wait till I fail. How is it that that's happening? As parents, wow, I think this is so amazing that I always know what my kids are, uh, have going on this week. Um, I know how to get involved. And when they're struggling, there's direct outreach to me with real support that I can follow up on. Those are the types of things that you have to do um, for ninth graders. The seniors who are off track, you have to try to help them connect to what they're interested in next and use that interest and create clear pathways to Try to help students recover those credits in a way that is efficient, in a way that uh, is excellent, which means they actually learn the information, and in a way that um, doesn't make them feel in any way less than the other students who um, graduated um, on time, if you will. 
And uh, if you uplift those strategies, I think we can begin to move forward. I don't want to pretend that it's a one-size-fits-all matter, but I wanted to use them as examples of some things I have seen, because I'm in schools, that are available in some of the schools in LPS that can make a difference for, for some of the students. It's not the superintendent coming and saying, thou shall, but it is being willing to ask questions and say, help me understand why we're allowing this, and if this is the way to go, um, what are we going to do to get more students in school? I mentioned Denver East didn't change. It's because they were able to convince their students that, look, we're looking at the data that says you don't come back after lunch. And if that continues, we're going to have to change our schedule and not allow you to have those choices. They had those community conversations, and the students and the community came, and the students stepped up and said, we can get back, and they did. And so they didn't change. Other schools, that they weren't able to put forth that value proposition, and we said we need to do better. Good. Board members, I just want to remind you, we have three more questions, and we have a little under 20 minutes, so we will try to get through these last three. Annie, I believe you are up. And we will have to have a hard stop at 917. Okay. So you've done your research and had time to talk to a lot of people today. What aspect or aspects about the LPS superintendent job are you the most confident about performing and would bring you joy? And what aspect are you the least confident about performing and have given you cause to pause? You know, that's a really interesting question because people who know me know that I'm a very confident person. And so um, even when things are hard, that those things don't, um, don't throw me. Um, so in terms of being most confident, I'm most confident around um, engaging with people and being in spaces where people feel that they are being heard and that there's a collaborative uh, uh, process put in place as to uh, how uh, they can in be involved. I think people are used to that in LPS. I think people uh, need to feel that in LPS, and I think that that contributes to the support of LPS uh, schools from the community. And I think that um, you know, people will be pleasantly surprised to know that that's something that I value also, and um, they're going to experience that for me. In terms of least confident, I would say I wouldn't phrase it that way. I would say, you know, I am confident that we'll be able to do work, but where do I feel like uh, we, it's going to be hard? And that is really trying to make sure that when we're centering the conversation around all means all, we're able to really drill into um, what it means for each and every student to get the uh, education that we believe that they deserve. Because that requires some really difficult conversations around what you're willing to give up in order to ensure that you can fund the priorities that you have around making sure that each student is a part of the all. And that is uh, difficult because school districts, even really good ones, are notoriously bad at giving things up. And um, the finite amount of resources dictate that we have to be willing to understand that certain, there's a season for certain things, that the ideas that we lift up in, during certain seasons were appropriate for the conditions that were faced during those seasons. Um, but sometimes you have to shift strategy because you've, there's a new normal. And uh, there's a lot of um, emotional attachment to certain uh, priorities that, that existed in the past. And I want to be clear, I don't have any specific priorities in mind or, or initiatives in mind when I say that. I just know that in any organization that is thinking about evolving and moving to the next level and trying to 
address maybe some things that have been stubborn in the past to address. It does require to uh, require aligning priorities with resources and time. And um, those are difficult conversations in school districts. And so it's not a lack of confidence, it's a realization that it's hard and it's not a matter of me coming in and talking about it. It's going to take a lot of relationship building. It's going to take a lot of engagement in order to uh, create spaces where people feel comfortable uh, making those really tough decisions that will most likely need to be made in the context of all that we're dealing with um, in the school district, whether you're talking about finance, enrollment, uh, whether you're talking about what we're still dealing with and navigating the pandemic and a number of other things that may be going on and also a very real issue in terms of making sure that our educators, people on the front lines, that they're full. And what I mean by full is that they're being held in a place where they feel like the support is strong. Um, that's hard uh, to do and so um, I, don't, I don't approach this with any type of uh, expectation that, that uh, I have a magic elixir um, to make that less hard. It's going to be hard. Uh, I feel confident that I can be a part of the, uh, the solution to get that done. But I want to name it right here and now that it's easier said than done um, to have those types of conversations and uh, make those types of decisions. Mr. Wilson. LPS is an atypical district with a board that is perhaps more involved than most. What are your thoughts on how you plan to collaborate with this board in the decision-making process? Yeah, thank you. So um, there's no doubt, I think you said perhaps more involved than most. And there's no doubt you're more involved than most, but I think that's a definitive thing. But I will also say that's an interest of, of mine. Um, the involvement and engagement, that's a positive thing. Um, as long as the interest of the board is about uplifting what's best for all students in the city. And um, it, we don't get into sectionalism, this idea that some students should get more than other students because of um, political access um, or connections or so on and so forth. Because then you get away from all means all. So I'm very much looking forward to the collaborative engagement. I believe I led with that in my um, letter of interest. I wanted to make sure that I, uh, that was something that I stated clearly because I think that's a key ingredient to um, getting to the next phase of the district's evolution, building upon the success you've already had. And let's be clear, I believe that this is a, a successful district now. I believe that this is um, one of the better districts in the country now in terms of being well run, in terms of prioritizing engagement across the city, in terms of um, saying, hey, this is a city uh, school district that uh, uplifts the work for, uh, for all students. Um, I think that in order to go forward, the, the city is going to have to feel like the board and the, and the superintendent are on the same page and that there's no mom and pop type situation where we can play one against the, the other. And so I don't have a problem with the engagement. I do think that we, need, we have, just have to be clear on what our roles are and board laying out policy and being crystal clear on these are the things that we are prioritizing as a school district as important and um, being crystal clear as with, the, with, the, uh, with myself, if I'm the superintendent, as to each year what those annual goals are that we want to uh, pursue 
so that we can work as a uh, school district staff and leadership team to prioritize strategy as to how to get that done. And um, I think in, if we can do that and, and, and go out and engage in a um, collaborative effort to talk about why we are pursuing what we're pursuing, um, be, use those uh, committees that you have established to engage people in a meaningful way so they can inform the work that we end up moving forward, that we set metrics in place to measure our progress and highlight our successes and celebrate them and, and acknowledge and appreciate the people who helped us get there and at the same time own the areas where we're struggling and invite people in and in our community who can help us improve in, in those spaces as well as uplifting our own internal knowledge, then I feel very good about collaborating with the board in that manner and uh, I'm going to learn a lot from the board. Um, around how to do that well and I hope that I will also be able to share some things um, as well as how to do that well and it's a, it's a mutual growth and, and benefit all on behalf of the students in the district that we are all uh, here to serve. Um, Mr. Wilson, please describe a time when you're bored upper-level management team and community members were not in agreement over an issue of importance. How did you, how did your leadership help build consensus among the groups? Yeah, um, thank you. Well, I guess if I were to pick uh, a particular time, and there were a lot of times uh, where sometimes we weren't in agreement, but if I were to pick a particular time, I'd probably um, talk about Denver Public Schools, um, an example, because we were, we were in a process where we were trying to significantly transform what was then called uh, alternative education. And we, we felt like the, the, the tweaks weren't going to be good enough. That if you were a student who went to your, a high school and you were successful, the success rate of, this, of the school district in terms of helping you graduate was very low, meaning it was very likely that you were going to drop out. And so people had various opinions as to what that look, should look like. As a matter of fact, uh, many people where the traditional school system uh, and the traditional schools worked very well for them, they were quite adamant that we just needed to do that model better. And you had others who uh, led schools who talked about uh, some of the challenges that those students presented for whatever reason. Um, they didn't want the students in the school. And uh, so we just had a lot of disagreement as to what that should look like. And, uh, you know, that process, it took about a year to even just study and understand what we were faced with. So um, we used the strategic regional analysis that we created in the district to try to understand where our overage and undercredited students were. Um, we uh, engaged in um, efforts. I led the district to up improve our data system, so we created what we called a stoplight report, red, yellow, green. In terms of trying to understand students who were on track to graduate, off, slightly off track, well off track to graduate. And um, we had different uh, categories for underage, undercredited. And if you were, so I'll give you an example, if you were um, slightly off track, however, you were below 16 years old versus being well off track 
and 17, 18, 19 years old. So we created that stoplight report to try to identify where those students were. And then what we did is we tried to study across the country and even internationally, um, what, are, what are school districts doing for students who fall in those different places that looks like it might have some success? And we did that, uh, engaged in that study. What are some push-out factors that we had going on in our schools? So I'll give you an example. We had uh, situations where the high schools, and in some cases middle schools, they, we, they were enrolling students at the beginning of the school year, receiving the funds, and then those students were no longer in school by the end of the year. So you had situations where the school started out with 1,800 students, and at the end of the year was at 1,500 students, and that was kind of what was going on. Um, and uh, we use all of that information to roll out a strategy that was a differentiated strategy. So we had support, we rolled out supports that were targeted towards students who were slightly off track and young. And just to be clear, those were going to be supports that we, were, we felt we needed to provide in the regular school. And that came with additional resources, it came with additional investment, uh, but it also uh, came with uh, redistributing how some of the uh, staffing allocations were and so on and so forth. And so we were able to do that. And then for some of the other students, we created new school models and that became part of our strategic plan. So Denver uh, developed a new school building. So you think about a school like uh, DC 21 or Summit uh, High School, um, Vista P Academy, um, in uh, Denver, those are schools that were designed specifically to serve a population of students who were underage, um, or, or undercredited, or at risk, high risk of becoming that. We made all of those schools choice schools. So that was something that people were really struggling with. Well, why aren't these schools, well, we, why can't we just send kids over here, or so on and so forth. We were saying, nah, because if it feels like you've been kicked out, if it feels like you've been pushed out, then it's not as exciting as feeling like you chose the school. We, we talk about focus programs here. All of those schools are, would be what you would consider focus program schools. All culinary, you know, so putting in culinary arts, health pathways, business pathways, engineering pathways, construction pathways, but also AP classes. We have AP class, put AP classes in those schools, uh, concurrent enrollment classes in those schools. We scaled up student government and we made sports available. Why? The thinking was that many of the students who were struggling had often heard most of their life, if you do X well or if you do Y perfectly, then you'll get an opportunity. And those students were thinking, well, we never are going to reach that bar. And so what's our interest? Well, I wanted to make sure when we developed, designed these schools that they saw great facilities, they saw teachers who were hired who wanted to be there. Um, we made this based on a standards-based uh, focus, so it wasn't based on seat time. And uh, what we said is you have to be uh, able to, if you want to go to these uh, schools, um, you have to be uh, willing to get involved and be engaged in a meaningful way. And uh, nonetheless, uh, those schools ended up getting a lot of support and all of that. But initially, people, and you would have thought I had a leg grown out of the side of my head when I said that not everyone's going to be able to be successful in our traditional high schools. And trying to keep pushing students in 
who have uh, felt that disconnection um, and treating them all the same, that's not going to work. And it, it wasn't working. And, you know, the result of the change was that there were improved schools. I must say this really quickly. In those schools, I can only speak about what it was like when I was there. I can't speak about what it was like uh, after. But I, you understand, I led this effort for six years. So, you know, same students who uh, were giving people the business at the other schools. Suspensions were almost nil. We didn't have issues with student discipline at those schools. Because when you implement restorative practices throughout the school, when you implement uh, a structure where students are engaged, um, when they have a reason to be in school and the curriculum's relevant, some of those things that were leading to some of the behaviors that they saw in the, that we saw in the traditional schools, those, those factors weren't there. And it's one of the reasons why we have to make sure that our focus programs are representative of the um, student population. We need to make sure that parents know about those programs and students know about those programs very early on, elementary school, and uh, constantly understand how they, how they access them. And we want to create opportunities where there's a strong demand so we feel an intense pressure to think about how we expand and create more opportunities for students. There are going to be students like me who are going to thrive in a traditional setting. And then there are going to be some students who don't. And we need to be responsive enough to provide students the, the settings they need in order to get to the outcomes we want. Thank you, Mr. Wilson. That concludes our questions. We have four minutes for closing remarks, if you have any. Well, thank you. I just want to say um, uh, I really appreciate the time uh, that you uh, provided today. I want to uh, acknowledge and appreciate the staff here at LPS. Uh, you do a tremendous job. Um, so, uh, although, you know, it was a long day, uh, it was a fun day, but it was fun because of the people who uh, did all of this work to make it um, what it was. And so, just the responsiveness, I just want to, you know, uh, Laura, I say this to you, appreciate you, but the entire team who um, put this together. I want to appreciate the board um, as well and all of the people who came out and engaged. Uh, with myself and, and uh, throughout the entire process and again w with the other candidates, uh, I would just incur invite people not to take those things for granted. That's a special part of uh, LPS, the, the uh, fact that there are so many people who care about the school district. And I just want to assure you that that's, the, that's part of the attraction for me is recognizing that there is not going to be a situation where people are going to say, oh, we trust you, you sit back, you got it, go and do what you got to do. It's more of those uh, things that attract me is the fact that people are going to say, well, no, we're interested, how can you engage us more, um, how can you uh, include us more, so that uh, we feel as though uh, the school system is ours. And if I'm a superintendent, that will be my aim, is to try to create places where students love to attend, where teachers love to work, where parents are proud to say their, ch their children attend, and community and business me members are proud to be able to say that they are able to partner um, with uh, the uh, school district to support the students, and they are very proud to be in spaces where they're either um, enrolling students into their colleges or hiring uh, our former students into their businesses. 
and that uh, they've done a tremendous, we've done a tremendous job in preparing them. So if I'm uh, selected as superintendent, I would uh, look forward to a long tenure, providing good health, uh, being a part of that process. Thank you again. Thank you so much.